DanielBritt.com. Well, this week, my spotlight is on the great songwriter, the songwriting skills of Kyla Rowland. Kyla, thanks for joining us here. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. How long, well, I guess I could look at, at the history. 60s, 70s, what was the, was the, the first song, Landing Lights, was that one of the first songs that you had recorded? Actually, I had a few before Landing Lights. It, he Will Row You Over the Tide in 1973. Mm-hmm. That was back in the days uh, that songwriters love to recall because if you had a hit song, all the major groups recorded it, and, and we loved that. But it has since changed tremendously. But He Will Row You Over the Tide was really the first song I actually ever wrote, and it was my first hit. It has been enduring over the these 35 or whatever years it's been. Sure. And I know that you're talking about how all the groups, you'd have a song, and it seemed like everybody would, would record it. And sometimes even it would chart with several different groups, maybe even at the same time, it seems like. Who all recorded that one? Well, uh, the Cooks, the Kingsmen. The inspirations, and I, I can't think of all of them. But anyway, and at this day they re-record them as as uh, yes. as a as a favorite or, or an old time favorite. Landing lights that was on the Goodman album. Better hurry up, right? It was, and that that was a uh, his an historical album because that's the last album they did with the, all the originals. Yeah. And so I, I was just glad, just gratified to get a song on that particular album. In those days when they chose your song, how did that process work? Did you submit it to some sort of an agency and then you kind of were out of, in a way, kind of out of the picture? There was a middleman and then they took it to the groups and, or did you deal directly with the Goodmans and the Cooks and the Inspirations and the Kingsmen? Well, I started out, Donnie Sumner. J.D.'s nephew, as some people would have to have him identified, people in the music business would not. He actually gave me my start. He was doing a demo for me. He didn't know me from Adam. I I barely knew his name. This was in 1974. Mm -hmm. And I went to a little studio on 16th Avenue South in Nashville to do a little (laughs) demo. It was at night, and he told me uh, that I didn't need to do that. He said, you meet me here at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I will take you to meet some people. So he did, and he took me to Word. Yeah. And I was with Word for years and years. And that was the days when Happy Goodman family, Rex Nealon, Winnie Bible and Sunlighter, Inspirations, Cathedrals, everybody was with Word. So it was easy to get a song cut. Uh, was, there was a partnership, too, or a subsidiary. Was it Canaan Records? Was that? Oh, yes. That was the order? Southern Gospel Division yeah. for them. But Landing Lights got cut because I was there on some sort of business in the Word office. Uh-huh. And Rusty Goodman was there, and I just happened to pass him by. And he said, are you writing any good songs? And I said, well, I'm writing. I don't know how good they are. <laughs> But I said, I do have one called Landing Lights that you might be interested in. Sure. And Rex Nealon had it on hold at the time, but Rusty Goodman and the Happy Goodman family ultimately did it. And that, that you know, in that just passed him in the hall. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a lot of that kind of happens to us by, it seems by chance or by accident or just a, um, just a meeting that, that you didn't plan, but, um, but sometimes it works out in amazing ways. Well, I call it divine providence. Yeah, absolutely. 
Let's go back to He Will Roll You Over the Tide. You said that was the first song you really wrote, and, and it became an instant hit. Did you have to put a lot of effort into it, being that it was your first song? No. I think God himself wanted a precedent set. Mm-hmm. This is how you will write songs. And it's through my power, and it's it's through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Honestly, I have written four songs over my career. Out of 2,000 songs, I have written four that I had absolutely nothing to do with, <laughs> that God wrote, even the commas, the semicolons, yeah. and he will row you over the tide, was that one of those songs. Wow. You have written over 2,000 songs? Yes. Does it, it must just come easy to you. Well, it's a, I know that it's a gift. I know that it's a calling. But I, I believe most songwriters will tell you who do it uh, every day mm-hmm. that it is a compulsion. Mm-hmm. You have no choice. Yeah. You have to write. And that's how you know that you have the gift. <laughs> when, when you just have to write. And then they are accepted and they, they help people. They make people cry. They make people rejoice. Sure. You know that this is what God has chosen for you. I would like to be a piano player like Anthony Berger. I would like to sing like Taranda Green or Kim yeah. Hopper. Yeah. But I don't have those gifts. I am a songwriter. Do you strictly write the, the lyrics? No, I write the words and the, the lyrics and the music. So are you attached at the hip to a notepad or a tape recorder to always uh, to, to jot that down or to record uh, a melody that comes to you? Always. I, I, I never go anywhere without a little recorder and a notepad. Do you think music theory, and we talked to Ben Spear about his school of music and the, the rudiments of music, is that is that necessary for someone who is going to write music? Certainly it is a help. Yeah. It, it really is a help. Uh, necessary? I don't think it's necessary. I think if if God has anointed you to do what you do, I believe that you'll have the same gift Elijah had on Mount Carmel. Hmm. Yeah. As far as we know, I mean, he just burst on the scene out of the wilderness, out yeah. of the desert. But as far as we know, he was uneducated, and he had no credentials that we read of. Yet, he prayed down fire from heaven when 450 prophets of Baal could not. And they were very practiced at praying down fire. So, yes, it would help. And I wish I had studied it. But necessary, no. Tell me about There Rose a Lamb. Uh, how did that one come about? Some some songwriters say, oh, we, and I've heard Bill Gaither talk about hooks. We, we, we heard a sermon and it had this hook in it. And we thought there should be a song around that. Does that ever happen to you? And did it happen with that particular Well, song? actually, that's exactly the way it happened. Most of my songs come through storms. Mm-hmm. I wish I could write a happy song. <laughs> I, I hope all of them are happy and encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, rarely does a song come to me just from a little hook line. Mm-hmm. But this one did. And the little girl who was singing with us at the time in the studio was just chanting this, these little words, there rose a lamb in Jerusalem. And she had yeah. heard it from a preacher or somewhere. And I said, well, what are you chanting? She said, oh, well, there rose a lamb in Jerusalem. I heard it somewhere. And it, it was just like a broken record. Yeah. It would not leave my mind. But then later on, when, it, when I was quiet, 
I just saw the whole scene. I saw the whole scene. Mm-hmm. I, I saw everything that happened, and so I wrote what had happened to Jesus during that time. But then I sent it to Ivan Parker, who was with Gold City at the time. He was uh, gathering material for them. Yeah. And he wrote me back or called me back and said, Kyla, I like their Rosalind, but the third verse does nothing for me. Can you rewrite it? <laughs> oh, sure. I can rewrite it. I, I'll get right on that. I'll have yeah. it tomorrow. Well, that was big talk yeah. because, you know, I wanted a Gold City cut, and I was just going to do whatever it took. Well, I sat in my recliner, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought. Nothing would come, and I knew that I had writer's block. Nothing yeah. was coming. Yeah. All day into the night, I would stretch out on the couch. I would get in the recliner. I would pace. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So finally, when I was physically and mentally and emotionally really exhausted, yeah, I, I just I just began to cry out to God. And I said, God, how can I write this last verse? I wasn't there when they laid you in the tomb. And I wasn't there when when you stepped out from behind the stone. All I know is I was there. When you rose in my heart. Mm. And, you know, you have those electric moments. Sure, sure. Wow. Have you ever written a song? You thought, well, it's an okay song. And then you give it, or a group records it, and they do something with the song that goes even beyond your uh, your expectations. Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. That That's a standard for a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You think it's pretty good, and then a really talented, anointed group records it, and you'll say, did I write that? That is so beautiful. (laughs) Does it happen often that you hear it one way, maybe a different rhythm or a different uh, tempo, and somebody records it in a totally 180-degree turn somewhere else? Oh, sure, sure. And I'm not one of those writers that say, you can't change a word, you can't change the tempo. Listen, It is your song. If I contract you or Daywin, who I'm with mm-hmm. now, if they contract you to sing that song, you can sing it to suit yourself. And that, that happens very often. But I'm always glad because usually they make it better than I had it originally. In, uh, in the late 90s, I remember the McKamey's had a song, Wall of Prayer. Yes. And I remember talking to, to Peg about that and remember hearing the stories, what they were doing with that song, I think over in the Middle East. Tell me about that whole process, that whole song. I still think that's one of the, one of the most special songs in gospel music. My son, uh, Barry, we called him Bubba, and he was the inspiration to, for a lot of my songs. Like, uh, One Scarred Hand. Mm-hmm. He was the inspiration yeah. behind that. But he was gone from home for four years when he was uh, young. He left when he was barely 18. He was gone for four years. I didn't know where he was. He was just wanted to have his own way, and he wanted his way to be a life of sin. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately he did come home. But two years after he came home, he said, Mama, do you remember all those years I was gone? And I was so deep in sin. I said, Yes, vaguely, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, did I ever tell you what brought me home? And I said, no, you haven't. So I was very still because I knew he was going to tell me something. 
which boys have a hard time talking to their moms. Sure. He said, I had gone so deep into sin in drugs, alcohol, so forth, had taken me physically so low that you could count every rib in my body. And he said, I knew that I couldn't last much longer. But he said, I got up one morning and I fell out of bed because I was too weak to get stand up. And he said, I crawled to the couch and I laid down and covered up with coats and sweaters because I was so cold. And he said, I first began to ask God to take me home because I couldn't stand the guilt anymore. I just couldn't stand it. And he said, Lord, if you take me home, I know I'm saved. If you'll take me home, then my mama can have some peace. Mm. But then he changed his prayer. He said, no, Lord, if you want me to live, I'll do my best to serve you. And he said about that time I began to hear voices. And he said I lived in a little roach-infested apartment. And I looked at my watch. It was 10 o'clock in the morning, and there was no one going to work. I didn't know who it was. But as the voices came clear, it was a chorus of women. And they were praying. And the Holy Spirit, geography does not limit the Holy Spirit. Right. And he heard those prayers. And I, I can name the women who prayed for my son, yeah. who, who made, who built a wall around him sure. in my behalf. Yeah. And from that day forward, he came home. He tried to get himself in a little bit better shape before I saw him. But then after he told me that story, it was the easiest thing I ever did uh, to sit down and write Wall of Prayer. Tell me the the thing the McCamies did with the with the Wailing Wall. Do you remember that? Oh yes, and they carried it with them. And I'm sure that that was it was hard to carry. It was cumbersome, and but they were so faithful to do that. Mm-hmm. And the answers to prayers that they have gotten through personal testimony, emails, telephone calls, mm-hmm. it has been absolutely amazing. Uh, Men, especially, I mean, criminals. Yeah, yeah. Their names were put on that wall and miracles of healing. You so know, they, they collected prayer requests and took them over? You, your name, the name of your prayer request was put on the wall. Yeah. And they carried it everywhere. And they would have special prayers in their concerts for those names on that wall of prayer. There's so many great songs that you've written. I printed out a list here of some of the credits that were on your website. We see uh, He Will Roll You Over the Tide in 75. We've got uh, Wedding Invitation in 1980. Then we skip up to the 90s, and we come all the way through today. What went on between He'll Roll You Over the Tide and, and say, One Scarred Hand in 92, and uh, along the same time, There Rose a Lamb with Gold City? Between that span of 75 and the early 90s, uh, were you writing songs at that time as well? I was writing that songs, but at that time I was taking care of my mom. She was an invalid, and I was—I uh, had two children, mm-hmm. still like high school and college, and and so I did have uh, some cuts during that time, but nothing as big as as is given in that space, like sure. wedding invitation or there rose a lamb. And so I was very busy, but what I was doing, what God was doing with me, was collecting material. Hmm. And my mother has been my greatest inspiration. I had to write a book about how she just totally inspired about 90% of my songs. Mm -hmm. Tell me about 
the song God Handled It All by Gold City. I think they have recorded two different songs by that same title. Uh, at least in my, in my knowledge, I think this, I, I, the one in 2003 was the upbeat song, right? God right. Handled It All. Oh, well, now that is a happier song. Yeah. Because I don't have a, I don't have a really stormy story behind that. My brother is a uh, Bible scholar, mm-hmm. I would say. And I was on the road for him, with him for many years singing. And he would teach, he, he teaches, uh, he has teaching revivals. And he would teach on Genesis how God was preparing to handle redemption. Mm-hmm. And then he would teach about Jesus in Matthew when we were first introduced to him. And how he was going to handle the cross, how he was about to handle uh, his resurrection. And it took, oh, a year or two of these teachings. When when my brother Ron gets on the subject, it's, it's about yeah. a three-year study. <laughs> but I condensed it into 12 lines. And yeah. I thought... You know, he just keeps saying God was going to handle it. Jesus was preparing to handle it. And when he rose from the tomb, he pretty well handled it all. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that was a happy song. Has that been one of the most recent cuts that Gold City has recorded of yours? It is. Yes, it is. And that, that, is it fair to say that history with Gold City and you goes back to 1992? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Perrys, I think they will continue for a long time to be, in a way, defined or carry as one of their signature songs, Still Blessed. I mean, that was, wasn't the name of their project and they titled it Still Blessed? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know there was a single, and I think that's become kind of a tagline for the group. How does that make you feel to know not only that a group like the Perrys or Gold City, uh, a big name group has recorded your song, but so much so that it becomes such a part of their group like that? Very small. Yeah. But I know who I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. I was born and raised in a coal mining town up in Upper East Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And to think that God could take something that I I would write and carry it to the hearts of so many people. How do you thank God for those things? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to feel except. Just grateful and so glad that I had some little part in lifting him up. Are you a solo songwriter or have you collaborated with some others? I've never collaborated until I came with Daywind about four, ooh, maybe six years ago. I am now uh, 61 years old and my memory's not what it used to be. (laughs) But I I have begun to collaborate and actually at the National Quartet Convention, uh, this year, 2006, a collaborator and I got to hear a, a, a single debuted, and that was exciting. Yeah, yeah. That that was uh, new for me. So a group has recorded this uh, yes. song? Yes. The, the Pifers recorded Fighting On, yeah. and it's the title song of their album, and Diane Wilkinson and I. Huh. And is that a match made in heaven? Wow. We're both the same age. She wrote, um, We shall see Jesus, yes. the cathedrals. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Uh, it has been a beautiful collaboration. And so we got to hear uh, Fighting On the first time it was sung mm-hmm. at the National Quartet Convention. And it just blew me away. By the so, Pipers. By the Pipers. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was beautiful. 
Tell me about 2004, and uh, I'm sure this is one of many awards and recognitions that you have received. And songwriters, a lot of times, I think maybe they kind of get brushed behind the scenes. You're not on the stage. You're not singing your song. Somebody else is doing that. So it's nice to be honored, I, I would imagine, and recognized like in 2004 with the, was it the Master Composer Award? Yes. Quartet Convention? Well, that was a total surprise, and yeah. Phil Cross has done more for Southern gospel songwriters, I guess because he is such a great songwriter himself. Sure. And he knows the plight of songwriters, which I really, I like behind the scenes. That's where I belong, where I want to be. <laughs> but he has made the the general fan a lot more aware of, of who songwriters are. And so it's just... It was an award for a life's work, and that was a beautiful day for me. Uh, you are now contracted by Daywind to, yes. to write music. Uh, I've heard that there are some of the negatives that uh, I've heard about record labels is that, uh, for instance, in songwriting, maybe they put pressure on you to write when you're not ready to write. Have you found that to be a challenge for you, or are you always ready to write? Well, I've never felt any inkling of that at all. I was with Word for over 10 years. I I forget how long, but many, many years. Mm -hmm. I never felt that from them. And I've been with Daywind now four or five years. I've never felt that from them. No pressure whatsoever to produce. Mm -hmm. So that has not been an issue, but I have, I do know that there are companies that do pressure to produce. Sure, sure. Behind the scenes in the business world, when you write a song, uh, if you're with a record label like Daywind or with Word, they're responsible for getting it copywritten and published as music and then sending it to their artists? Or uh, That's exactly right. The business end is over for you. Yeah. Once you sign a writer's contract, a 100% writer's contract, mm-hmm. then you have nothing else to do with the business end of it, which has its... It has its perks. It has its ups. Yeah. One of the most um, interesting stories, I know that you have heard stories like this, the song that was passed by. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, maybe three years ago, I sent a little song called Safe Thus Far yeah. to Connie Hopper. Uh-huh. And it was just me and my piano. <laughs> now, that was a bad demo. <laughs> But the song for me was so deeply moving. It was one of those special songs. Not every song moves me personally, but that one came from the lowest part of my soul. Mm -hmm. So Connie, again, is the same age of of me, and and I thought, well, she will feel what I do. And she she liked it, but she sort of let it go by the wayside. Well, mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, the Hoskins family right. recorded it. Right. Well, she has apologized to me two or three times, which you know, I'm. It's just one of those things yeah. that they, it happens all the time. Yeah. But I MC the Diamond Awards at, at NQC, and so they performed mm-hmm. last year. And she, Connie said, "I just want to." Tell Kyla publicly that if she ever sends me another song like Safe Thus Far, I will not overlook it. <laughs> and you've really, through all the songs you've written that have been so successful, is it 
do you find that you have to um uh you have to be careful what you do submit because people recognize such the talent in you do you ever feel like maybe well, this one may not be the best song and and I, if if they see that it's got Kyler Rowland's name on it, they're going to record it. And if it's not my best work, they're going to be disappointed. I pretty well submit the song, and Daywin may call me and, and ask me, what do you think about this group or that group with this song? And if they're willing to cut it, I just let the chips kind of fall where they may. Yeah. Because I, God has just, he oversees my songwriting career. And everything he has done has been so perfect, I don't second-guess him. God, sure. whatever you want, I'm happy. And you have two children, is that right? Yes. Allison and Barry. Uh-huh. Growing up, and even now, do they ever tease you um, about watching what they say around you because it might turn up in a song somewhere? Oh, <laughs> yes, they do. And those little children, they grew up on this premise. Well, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, we yeah. were just, you know, just working people. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up with this statement rotating in their little hearts and their minds all the time. When they needed new uh, athletic shoes or Allison needed a new prom dress, it was always, now when Mama gets her royalty check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they grew up looking forward to those royalty checks every quarter as, as much as I did. Sure, sure. Is that kind of, uh, do you, is there a way, maybe now with new technology, to keep up specifically with what to expect, or is it a surprise every quarter when those checks come to see how, how much airplay you've been receiving? Well, I probably have a different philosophy about those things than most. I'm not a business person. Mm-hmm. I have never looked at a royalty statement. Mm-hmm. I have never looked at a BMI statement. Mm-hmm. I do cash the check. I do deposit the check yeah. in the bank. Yeah. But... Again, it, this is God's business. I sure. mean, the song is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. And why should I trouble my mind, which is small? I just keep my mind open for writing. I am a writer. I yeah. write constantly. And I do not. And I have a secretary who, whom I've had for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have to do any of those things. Yeah. But I... There is a way that that you can sort of follow the trends. Follow the trends, yes. If there was a song that you didn't write that you wished you had written, what would it be? Oh, I know the answer to that very quickly. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Yeah. And the Florida Boys, they were one of the first to record that. Yes, yes. And who wrote that? Ronnie Henson and I believe Jeff Steele. And uh, has that just been uh, a song to you that has has meant a lot to you? Is that the reason you would choose that song? It has a hook. It has an anointed hook. The the rest of the song doesn't matter. But the concept of that first line of the chorus, we, we hear over and over and over. It's a part of our, our vernacular yeah. in Southern Gospel yeah. music. He knew me, but yet he loved me. But there's something about the way the melody and the lyrics marry yeah. He knew me, and then this big, yeah, he loved me. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it just like stabs you in the heart. And another thing that makes that song so wonderful to me, my, my son was out in sin so long, mm-hmm. and now he sings with his wife and another young lady at church. They have a little a trio. And every time Barry sings that song, 
And he comes to that course, he knew me. He never gets out, yet he loved me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He just, oh, how he rejoices. Well, that makes us rejoice. We're talking about the music that you've written that has been so popular, in particular in gospel music, southern gospel music. Have you ever written a song that uh, that took off or was recorded in in a different style, maybe a little more contemporary or a little more inspirational? Well, yes, I, I have, but I've had songs that went the other way as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So there was a total change in feel and texture and rhythm. Wedding Invitation, for instance, was a huge ballad. Yeah. A big orchestration. I mean, that's how the song was uh, written and meant to be recorded. Mm -hmm. But the inspirations, and the inspirations and I... We at Archie, especially, and I have a difference of opinion how that song came. We were both with Word at the time, Canaan. And he said, I say they heard it through a closed door, and I was just singing it to uh, somebody there, just fooling around with the piano. They say I I came to Bryson City, which I did make some trips to Bryson City. So however it came about, when they recorded it, they recorded it inspiration style. But how do you argue with success? It was a top top five song nominated for Song of the Year. And I don't believe it could have been done any better. I believe God wanted them to do it. How can we keep up to date? And I want to mention the, the tribute project in 2001. Give me some of the artists who collaborated uh, and whose songs were on there. The Crab Family, Ivan Parker, Kirk Talley, and Janet Paschal. Were they all singing the song, the hit songs that they had recorded of yours? Respectively? No, no. They were sent a list of songs that they would like to do. And they chose the song, Anthony Berger. Oh, okay. They chose their favorite. Yes. Okay. Anthony Berger chose to play their Rose of Lamb. Yeah. yeah. And Ivan chose to sing Landing Lights. Okay. And the Crab family chose to do He's Still on the Throne. Yeah. So they they got to, to pick and choose what they wanted to do. The Wisnets. And you know what? These groups went to a great deal of trouble mm-hmm. to record mm-hmm. these songs. And they did it all gratis. Wow. Now, if you don't think that will make you feel <laughs> just about as small as you could possibly get. Yeah. yeah. Was that a surprise to you? It was a surprise. Who was behind that? Who, that Shane Farrell with Lighthouse Promotions yeah. did it. And... And wow. what a joy that has been. As a songwriter, do you ever run in circles? You mentioned Phil Cross, uh, Rodney Griffin, Bill Gaither, people like that. Do you ever you ever get together and have a meeting of the minds of the songwriters? No, rarely. See, Rodney Griffin and I live in the same town, and we're mm-hmm. planning to to do some writing maybe this year, and certainly next year we'll do some writing together. Uh, we The only song that Rodney and I have written together, we did it by fax. Oh, telephone. Yeah, yeah. I did want to ask you about the uh, your website uh, or ways we can we can stay in touch with you. You do have your own group, yes. right? And uh, are you guys travel full time? Yes, we are full time. But my ministry is about sixty percent speaking at ladies' conferences mm-hmm. and forty percent singing. And my website is com, and our schedule is always on there. Okay. And our products and my books and mm-hmm. so forth. 
So I I would appreciate a visit. Y'all come and see me. <laughs> Great. And your current group is named Deliverance. Yeah. Uh, were you? Did you used to go under a billing as the Rollins? Oh, sure. Okay. And my brother still does. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I, I just left the road. I had to leave the road to take care of my mother. So, yes, oh, yeah, he still travels as the Rollins. Okay, great. Well, thanks for doing this, and uh, you'll keep writing, and we'll keep, um, we'll keep playing them. Well, that like sounds it. good, Daniel. You're just a sweetie pie. <laughs> thanks so much. Just as cute as a button. <laughs> we appreciate this.